Hello and welcome back to De Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, Episode 2. Myself and Lewis were joined by freelance journalist Ryan Caperold and student journalist Ben Burns to recap all the action across the weekend from the Scottish Premiership. Matches include Aberdeen vs Rangers, St Mirren vs Motherwell, Kilmarnock vs Hamilton and Livingston vs Ross County. We also looked ahead to tonight's fixture between Celtic and Hibernian at Celtic Park as well as all the chaos and carnage that has ensued since the Celtic trip to Dubai. Also on the podcast this afternoon, I was joined by Derek Watson, the host of the DW podcast and a massive Motherwell fan to talk about the appointment of Graham Alexander as the new Motherwell boss. All that plus much, much more on today's episode of De Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football, Episode 2. Alright guys, how we doing? Yeah, good thanks. I'm not too bad mate, thanks. Yeah, doing quite well, thank you. Good stuff. So, uh, the best place to start, probably the, the showcase game of the weekend, the one that, that probably most people were interested in, um, is Aberdeen versus Rangers. Um, so if we start off with you, Ryan, how did you feel that game uh, went? Um, I thought it was probably one of the most one-sided Aberdeen Rangers games you're ever going to see, to be honest with you. It didn't feel like a Scottish uh, derby at all. It just was very easy for Rangers to control it from start to finish. Aberdeen had a couple of decent chances, but there was no danger that Rangers were ever going to lose that game. It's one of the poorest performances I've actually seen from Aberdeen side in the first half in a long, long time. Um, it just wasn't great at all. Uh, what about yourself, Lewis? I think they didn't start the game too badly. They had, I think, Cosgrove had a bit of an opening, but nah, definitely Rangers deserved that win. They sort of tore Aberdeen apart, and I think you could see going forward they couldn't handle them at times. Uh, ben? Yeah, I think when you look at the stats for the game, it's as by the numbers as it gets for Rangers this season. They dominated possession. They had way more shots. Aberdeen had a few decent chances, like uh, Lewis was mentioning. Cosgrove very early on. Uh, but he fluffed his lines. And all in all, I think it was a pretty straightforward one for Rangers. Okay. Um, I just caught the highlights on um, sports scene. I thought, you know... Uh, Kind of getting the same conclusion. Rangers dominated the game. Um, Cosgrove obviously had that early chance. Instead of cutting it back to Maney, he went for glory. Um, some of the you know the goals from Rangers. Alfredo Morelos got himself back on the score sheet, bagged a brace. Um, the goals were were good. I thought. I thought the, the build up play to the to uh, the second goal in particular was was really great. Um, and the wee flick on from Kent. I know we'll touch on that in a moment, but that was just sublime for me. The biggest talking point of the the week, uh, of that game would be was it a penalty? I've seen people on Twitter saying no, that's it was quite a soft penalty to give. I know uh, Derek McInnes in his post match uh, presser said he spoke to John Beaton uh, at half time and John Beaton explained why it was a penalty um, and why it was a red card. Essentially, a double whammy. Um, if we start with you, Ben, how what did you think? Did you think it was a penalty? I found it a really hard one to tell. Um, when I saw it at full speed, my initial thought was definite penalty. When I saw it slowed down close up, I wasn't entirely certain if there was contact between Hedges and Morelos. If there is, I think there's no doubt that it's a sending off because it's he's clear through on goal um, and he's going to take that chance most probably. Uh, a tough one to tell. I can definitely see why the referee's given it. I don't think I can blame uh, the ref for that one, but I, yeah, I think there's an element of dubiety over it, but I can see why the referee's given it. Uh, Lewis? No, I, def- I think I think it's a definite penalty for me. The way Hedges is quite unlucky because I think it's one of those ones he's running and he doesn't mean it, but he's clipped his heels and he's taken them down, you know. So he's a bit unfortunate in that sense. When it comes to the red card, I think it was Michael Stewart that made a good point in sports scene. I was unsure if it was in terms of the, the rule surrounding that. It's quite, there's, it's not great. Like worded her in sort of that sort of foul, so I thought maybe it was a soft red, but you can I think it's definitely fair to say you can see why John Beaton's uh, given it. Uh, Brian, um, it was a definite penalty. I mean, it, it does look soft, but if you have a referee decision to make like that, he's going to make it. So I do think it was a definite penalty, but I'm I'm torn the red card. Um, as Lewis said, there, I think Michael Short did raise a good point last night in sports scene. Um, it doesn't look like it should be a red card at all, and there is a bit of ambiguity with that rule at the moment. Um, but Hedges is very, very unlucky. He's just tracking back, clips his heels, and there's, there's not much he can do for the other one. And then it's obviously a penalty. 
I think Ben, you you touched on it. There. You said when you saw it at full speed, it was a penalty, but when it was slowed down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, maybe there was a little bit of dubiety around that. The, the referee obviously only gets to see uh, one, you know, one angle of it, and that's real time. So, you know, I, I can see why he's given it. Um, would I have given it? I, I personally, I think it's a bit soft. Um, but he's given the decision. Uh, he's given the referee a decision to make. So. It's been made. I don't think it was a red card. Um, and I say that because we, late, just after um, Tavernier missed the penalty, and I can't remember if it was after Rangers scored through Morelos or it was before then, but Curtis Main made a, a challenge on Barisic, which I think was way worse, which uh, uh, John Beaton only gave us a yellow card. I thought that should have been a red card. So that's, that's why I'm a little bit, you know, um, on the penalty, that's you know it was a less of a challenge. I don't see how that's a red when Curtis Main went right through Borna Barisic. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Ryan? I thought that was a straight red to be honest with you. Um, just the way he goes into challenge, he lunges in with his studs up as well. So I mean, I think he's got a way one there. Nine times out of ten in games, you'd see that as a straight red. Um, it was definitely more of a red than the, the penalty was. That's for sure. Uh, Lewis. Yeah, I was as soon as I seen it, I was a bit surprised. I thought that was a red, but I don't know if it comes into the referee's thinking he's given a it, it shouldn't, but sometimes he mentioned it. I don't know if it's coming to the referee's thinking that he's, he's just given a red. He might think, oh, I don't want to give that again, but it was a very high challenge, and I was very surprised not to see him sent off it. Uh, ben, I think uh, I think you should be be careful, you know, comparing the two challenges because the context surrounding the two. Tackles is quite different. Obviously, there's one in the box, one outside the box. One is a clear goal-scoring opportunity. One isn't. That said, I do think um, main on Barisic is, uh, in all likelihood, probably any other day. That's a straight red because it's a it's a really bad tackle. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I don't think it's not exactly a like for like with Hedges or Morelos in the box, but definitely I think uh, main's got away with one there. Yeah, no, um, again, I can't disagree. I think he's got away with a massive one there and a big let-off for um, Derek McInnes' side because if you're down, you're already down to 10, um, down to 9 would just be even worse. Um, Morelos, back with a bang, back uh, scoring a brace. What did you think of the goals? Uh, were they well worked or, you know, I've seen someone suggesting they were lucky. Um, what did you think of that, Lewis? No, I thought, in terms of Morelos, I thought that looked like him back to his old self. It was too... Good finishes. I like the first one especially. First of all, Aberdeen did give him too much space in the box. I don't even afford to give somebody like Morelos that much space, but it just takes one touch, turn, and banging at the bottom corner. So it was much more like it from his sense. I do, as I mentioned, I think the Aberdeen defender was a bit soft. It probably maybe is a bit harder when you're down to ten, but you can't give him that much space. Yeah, um, right. I thought he was brilliant yesterday, I really did. I thought his link-up play in general was very good as well. Um, he struggled, obviously, for goals this season, but the way he took the first goal, as I said, was just brilliant turn, hit. Um, I did think Aberdeen were guilty as well of giving him too much space, and it just proves that when he's in his form, there's not really a defence in the league that can actually live with him, to be honest. Um, ben? Yeah, again, just echoing what the other guys have said. Um, to finish it on the turn like that is it's a it's a wonderful finish for his first goal. Second goal, the build ups may be better, but on both occasions, Aberdeen's defending has to be called into question. There, I think they have to do better. But like Lewis says, down to ten men, it's not going to be made any easier. But two great goals from Morelos, I think. Yeah, no, I, again, I can't disagree. Um, I'm probably I'm not I'm probably not his biggest fan in terms of how how he acts, but those goals yesterday, um, I, I thought they were they were I don't want to overuse the word, but sensation. I thought they were really good. Um, and I think you touched on it there, Ryan, as his link up play. Um, quite good with that. Um, I I, I personally feel he's, he's quite good with the link up play. Um, and, and yesterday kind of proved that. Um. The second goal and the touch from Kent, I think a lot of people um, maybe overlooked that slight touch that Ryan Kent made on the ball to get it to Morelos. I, I thought that was a touch of class. I, I don't know about what you thought, um, Lewis. No, definitely. Some some people, you might not have noticed it at first, but he's just taking a wee sort of glance and touch. Good reactions from Morelos as well, because some people might not might be a bit surprised at that with how close Kent is and missed the ball. But no, it was definitely a great touch to set up a good goal. 
No, I thought it was great. I thought, I mean, I didn't actually, during real time watching it, I didn't actually notice it, but um, watching the highlights last night, it was unbelievable. It's such intelligent play to get the ball through like that. Yeah. Uh, ben? Aye, it's, it's great quick thinking from Kent there. Uh, and that's what you're wanting for players like him, you know, in those moments where you don't have a lot of time. He executes something really well there. Uh, he's a guy that I've personally been quite critical of before. I've thought that he tends not to show up for uh, a lot of games. But this season, whenever I've seen him, I thought he's been uh, really good. I think he's really kicked his play up a level in, in some ways. And it was a brilliant layoff from him. Yeah. No, again, I can't, can't disagree. Um, a lot of people were saying that if Steven Gerrard's men went to Pataudry, they go to Fir Park next week, they go to Easter Road, if they win those three games, um, that all surely seals them um, the title. They've, they've beaten Aberdeen at Pataudry, they go to Motherwell um, next week, it's another three points for them. Celtic play later on today, as it, as it stands, that, that might not happen, um, but do you think that the performance yesterday um, kind of signifies their intent that they're not slowing down and compared to, to recent seasons where they, they stopped and they, they, they collapsed after January? Do you see a different Rangers this time around? Um, start with you, Ben. Yeah, well, they've certainly made the job much easier for themselves by winning these kind of games. Uh, and like you say, in the last few years, it is the matches where they've come back after Christmas and or after the new year and they have uh, faltered. Um, they look a much more professional outfit uh, than they did before. I'm reticent to say, oh, league's done, league's over, just because, you know, you never know what will happen. Uh, wishful thinking, maybe, but um, no, they've certainly given themselves a good base to really start fighting for this title now in, in the tail end of it. They've, you know, sometimes teams get to this point in the season, they have a mountain to climb. Rangers have essentially a stroll to the title if they can manage it, if they can keep their heads and if they can uh, avoid any daft slip-ups. Yeah. Uh, Ryan? Um, I think, I mean, they've obviously improved dramatically this season. I actually think Rangers have won an odd team in the sense that I think playing behind closed doors has actually helped them quite a lot this season in terms of the pressure. They're playing with it as if they don't have any pressure, just playing the football that they've always played at the start of the seasons. The coming back from New Year obviously doesn't seem to affect them as bad this year as well. But I think just a performance like that yesterday, they, they just dominate from start to finish. They don't they just look relentless at the moment. And I think to be honest, that's the league done. I think they will get three points in Overwell next week and that would be at close for good. Yeah. Um I, I you know, you use the word they're relentless. I have said that all season. I've taken a little bit of stick for for saying that they've been relentless, but they really have. They've, they've showered up their mistakes from, from past seasons gone by. Um, Lewis, what about you? Uh, 100%. I think yesterday's games, maybe the sort of game they go into and you think, is the pressure on in previous seasons, but they've went and just sort of got a deserved win and taking home the three points. But in terms of a Celtic point of view, it's not only great for them being 22 points behind, four games in hand, obviously, but this Rangers team just don't look as though they're going to be stopped, to be honest. And the next two gate, well, next few games, start going to Easter Road and Fir Park, I think they'll be very telling, but I expect them to come through it. Yeah. Um, I think the difference is this season, sorry if I interrupt, but is that if Rangers go to Aberdeen yesterday, you fully think Rangers are going to win. Celtic playing at Easter Road tonight, you don't know what the result's going to be. I think that's a big difference this season, to be honest. I think the game tonight, if it goes ahead, will be... Um, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting one to see because Hibs Hibs have a decent team and you've seen it Easter Road a couple of uh, weeks ago maybe a couple, I don't know maybe a month or so ago over a month ago you know they were right in Celtic's face and were two 0 up so it's going to be a difficult tie um, just in case you haven't seen I've just um, been uh, just seen that the Scottish uh, football below the Championship's been suspended for three weeks um, so obviously the Premiership will play the, the Championship will play that League One and Two have. I've got a break. Just on that breaking news that we've got there, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Uh, start with you, Lewis. I think it's going to have a big impact in the Scottish Cup as well because a lot of the Premiership and Championship sides have probably got to face that are maybe League One, League Two opposition, so it could have a big impact in that. I think I was sort of expecting it to come with the sort of rising cases and there seems to be a few discussions going around, so it doesn't surprise me, to be quite honest. Uh, right. Um, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, to be honest. I think when you've got 
elite teams like Rangers and Celtic and most of the Premier League teams, they can do things regarding COVID bubbles that perhaps League One and League Two can't. Because, I mean, let's face it, most of these boys that play in that league have actually got outside jobs rather than football. So trying to keep COVID secure is extremely difficult. I actually wouldn't be surprised if the championship was closely going to fall. Teams like Ardolf, etc. are part-time in the championship as well. So I'm not surprised. I think more action will probably come in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ben? Again, I can't say that I'm particularly surprised. It's a shame. Uh, I'd never really considered actually that, that... uh, teams in League 1 and League 2 and are both in Championship, they're going to have a number of players who football isn't their full-time job. And yeah, the uh, integrity of the the bubbles, if you like, that these players have to operate in, it's going to be much more easily compromised in the lower uh, echelons of Scottish football than for elite-level teams like Celtic and Rangers. And you have to consider the players' safety as well. You know, they're putting themselves at a much greater risk of Catching the virus as well, so no, I can't say I'm too surprised. Um, just seeing the tweet there from David Tanner, it does include the Scottish Cup, so the Scottish Cup is suspended as well. Um, obviously, breaking developments, we're not going to know too much more um, just now, but yeah, it's, it's a massive decision um, for Scottish football, um, and I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Premiership and uh, the championship are are even you know facing similar kind of a similar kind of fate. Um, moving on from uh, Aberdeen versus Rangers, uh, the next game was Livingston versus Ross County. Um, I I really enjoyed watching. I never obviously I never got to see the full game, but I really enjoyed watching the highlights. Livingston just now under Martindale are an absolute joy to watch. Um, for me personally, I I, I really enjoyed their their style of football. It's their sixth win in a row in the league. Uh, in the first time in their top flight history. Um, what are we thinking of Livingston just now? What did we think of the game? If we start with you, Ben. Yeah, I thought they played really well. Uh, one thing I noticed was the first goal and the third goal uh, both came from situations where the ball was being sort of there was a bit of head tennis going on in the middle of the park and we, you know, guys like Bartley that Livingston have got in that midfield, they were winning those uh, battles really easily and that was giving them a good platform to counter-attack from. The first goal in particular was excellent from uh, Scott Robinson. Uh, the ball comes over the top and he it's a kind of lobbed half volley over the county keeper, the kind of thing that you would see um, Louis Moult do when he was at Motherwell. It was a fantastic uh, finish. And overall, I thought they played quite well. Ross County weren't bad. When they equalised, they, it, was, it was a good equaliser from them, but they should have went ahead and scored immediately after it. Ollie Shaw got on the end of a cross and he could have buried it, but uh, had it, I think he had it over, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But it was a great... Uh, a great performance from Livingston's point of view. They'll be really happy with it. And like you say, six six wins on the bounce. It's the kind of record they could only have dreamed of uh, when they first got promoted. And now look at them. Uh, and I think qualifying for one of those European spaces, it's a possibility for them now if they continue this form. Yeah, that's what I was um, going to touch on. Um, I'll, I'll do that in a second. I'll just get the thoughts of Ryan and Lewis. Uh, Ryan, if we start with you, what, what did you think? Well, I mean, the first time I actually had seen Livy this season, it was obviously as an air fan. They played us in the Betfred Cup and they gave us an absolute doing. It was 4-0 at half-time and it was generally just attacking football. And yesterday it was just the same. Just absolutely, they're just relentless going forward. And you have to admire a team that plays like that. I mean, they don't think about sitting back at all. They control the game for the midfield. And the, the, the finish for that, that, that chip yesterday was just absolutely unbelievable. Play. They, I, think, I think they actually, do you know what, the way they play... They don't just like they deserve a place in Europe just for the reference this season. Um so yeah, brilliant performance. Uh, Lewis? No, yeah, I think in terms of the goals, Livingston are quite like some people might think they're quite hammer throwing, but some of the goals were well worked. I think it might be in the second one. It was a lovely bit of play. I think it was Alan Forrest's goal, but no, Martindale's doing an incredible job there, I think, at the minute, and if they can keep going, they don't know how high they could finish. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, as I said yesterday, the, the first goal in particular was a was a great lob uh, over uh, Laidlaw. It was a great goal. Um, European football isn't out of reach for for Livingston. I don't I don't think you know if we um you know if we take a look at the table, 
they're they're not in a they're not in a bad position at the moment. I think um, just from memory, I think they're in fifth just now. So I don't I, I think it's fourth and below guarantees you or fourth and upwards guarantees you European football. So they're they're not too far off it. If they can certainly keep that momentum going, you know why not? Um, it shouldn't be outside the the realms of of possibility. Um. I guess that they're exceeding everyone's expectations when, you know, the fixtures came out and everyone did their predicted table. Did you have Livingston predicted to, to finish anywhere near a European spot, uh, Ryan? No. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, um, I, I mean, I, I, I will say this. When they signed Alan Forrest from there, they were, I knew they were getting a player. Um, but I didn't think, I, th- I thought they'd stay up, but I didn't think they'd even come close to this. Yeah. Um, ben? I uh, I wouldn't have imagined they would be, uh, you know, looking at the positions they're looking at now at the start of the season. I didn't think they would get relegated. I think they've done really well in the last few years under uh, Gary Holt. They've been very solid. They've been very good at home. You've seen Celtic go there a few times and have uh, faltered badly um, playing against them. I never thought they would be in danger of relegation, but yeah, I never would have imagined they'd have been uh, playing this well. Yeah, I'm the same, uh, Lewis. No, even after finishing quite high last season, you wouldn't expect them to go and possibly even finish higher. I think even after the start they had, certainly wasn't the best. So it's incredible that they're actually here now. Yeah, no, it's 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 a testament to to the squad. You know, the essentially underdogs when you think about it. You know, teams around that are normally in the top six. You wouldn't expect Livingston to get there, but it's you know full credit to them. I, th- I think they deserve it. Um, John Hughes, the Ross County manager, um, you know he was brought in to sort of help Ross County and lift them up the table a bit. What, what do you think of the job he's done thus far, uh, Lewis? If we start with you, yeah, no, it's certainly a decent start. I think even in the game yesterday, they had a few openings, and he certainly looks to be getting them playing well enough. So he's a good manager, and I think. It's. I think you'll probably keep them up to it, uh, Ben. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with uh, Ross County in the short time that Hughes has been uh, manager. Uh, you look at their previous two games before Livingston. I think they avoided defeat in both. They played quite well for periods of the game yesterday. I thought. I mean, their goal from Lacking was was good. It really should have been two one. Not long after it, when uh, Ollie Shaw missed the header. Yeah, so they they were creating chances. They could have went ahead, and if they'd scored there, you never know how the game might have finished. You know, goals change games, but you can see again when you look at their stats. You know, Levy had marginally more possession. They had quite a few more shots, but Ross County were being very aggressive. They were getting in a lot of uh, challenges. They were really fighting for this game. They conceded a lot of fouls, but they, I think they played broadly speaking, they played quite well and. They're unlucky that they're putting in that kind of performance against a team that's on such brilliant form at the moment. You know, playing against other teams in the league, they might have got something from that game yesterday. Yeah, no, again, I can't disagree. Uh, Ryan? Um, I think, you know, I think Yogi was a good appointment to start with because I think Yogi always plays decent football and he's a decent, decent manager. Yesterday, I thought they were unlucky. I just thought Levy just kind of, just a bit of a team in the end, but... There's been a market. I think there's been a like improvement since um, Yogi come in. To be honest, I think he's done well. The one at Hibs was obviously a particularly highlight for him. So uh, they've got a, they've got a much better chance of survival now than they would have under the previous management. I'd say. Yeah. No. Again, I can't disagree. Um, I said on last week's podcast about how much I do admire the job that Yogi's done um, in football. You know what he achieved within Verness. Um, so I think it's a really good forward-thinking approach from the, the hierarchy um, up at Ross County. I forgot the name of their stadium. That's a global energy. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a, it's a forward-thinking appointment. And I think, you know, the, the type of football that they've been playing, as you mentioned, Ben, you know, they were just unfortunate that they did come up against a team like Livingston that are in such good form at the moment. But I think with the way they've been playing, you know, if they play like um, opposition, like... Um, St Mirren or you know d- just down that end of the table you could, you could feel them lifting themselves from bottom and managing to avoid relegation because um, it looks like the table uh, right now it's a bit of a scrap to see who's who's going to go down right now I mean it's January we're talking about it but you know the teams that are down there are St Johnston, Motherwell, Hamilton and Ross County and even that St Mirren are just four points 
you know, adrift from from that. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of good games to come in the bottom half of the table that, you know, teams like Ross County or Motherwell will, will pick up points and see them off the bottom of the table, or at least we would like to think so anyway. Um, if we move on then, um, we covered uh, Livingston, Ross County. Let's move on to Kilmarnock versus Hamilton. Um, Kilmarnock were unlucky last week. Um, you know, they drew 1-1. Uh, because Danny Rogers couldn't keep the ball out of the net um, when he had it in his hands and he stepped back over the line. Um, but they swept the Ackies aside. Uh, it was uh, a 2-0 victory. Um, well, what did you guys think of the game? Uh, start with you, Ryan. Sorry. Um, I mean, it pains me as an air fan to say it, but I've always thought Kilmarnock could be too good to go down. Um, I think the squad they've got there is particularly good for an SPL team and they should be finishing in the top six. But yesterday yesterday just went it wasn't even a game really to be honest with you. I thought Aki's were poor and I thought Kamala just controlled the game from start to finish. Um I think that's actually might be the year that Aki's go down finally. Um but yeah good performance in Kamalmuk. Uh Ben. Yeah Kamalmuk were uh, brilliant I thought um when I watched the highlights. Hamilton had a couple of opportunities. There was a chance where uh, Winter was through on goal, but he kind of fluffed his shot and sent it wide. O'Dolphin uh, hit the bar with a header from a corner. And this was all before Kilmarnock had scored, but I thought Kilmarnock, though, overall, they were just quite strong. Um, they never really conceded many other chances after that that put them in any danger. And their goals, I thought, were they were good value for their goals as well, uh, particularly the second one I thought was a good goal. Um, yeah, no, I thought they were they were a really good uh, side yesterday, put in a really good performance. Uh, Lewis? I definitely completely agree. They've obviously been to a bit of a tough spell with results and stuff, but it's a much better performance from uh, Alex Dyer's men. I think he'll be, he'll be pleased with that. Yeah. Um, uh, Hamilton, um, as you mentioned, they're in. I think this could be their, their season that, that they eventually go down. They always seem to avoid the drop in the last couple of weeks, but um, you know, they did have a great result against Motherwell last week. You know, they won 3-0, but I, I do find that, that this could be their season, that, you know, that their luck sort of ends and, and that they do head down. Um, did any Kilmarnock player stand out for you at all during the performance yesterday, um, Ben? Well, Greg Kilty, for one, I thought he was brilliant. Um, he, the first goal, he did quite well. Malumbu takes the shot to the edge of the box and it looks like it's going to go uh, quite safely wide. But he just diverts it back towards the goal. It goes through one of the Hamilton defenders' legs on its way into the net. It's just a really kind of nice, quick-thinking goal. Second goal as well, he cuts it brilliantly on his right foot just inside the box and curls it into the far corner. Really professional, really well done. I did think that, uh, from what I saw of him, uh, Houndstrup played quite well as well. Uh, good ball to County for the second goal. And uh, McGowan as well, the other fullback, he put in a, a couple of decent balls in that really should have yielded something, particularly towards the end. Broadfoot nearly scored uh, from a great ball in from McGowan. So I think those three for me, Kelty, McGowan and Houndstrup, all played uh, quite well. Yeah, no, again, I, I can't disagree. What about yourself, Lewis? Uh, definitely Kelty. He also got the two goals. I think he scored against Hamilton last time he played at Rugby Park too, so he definitely seemed to stand out to me. I think there was a few moments that Stuart Finley done well as well. That's just from watching the highlights. He made a few good challenges, so, nah, all round, so it's a good performance. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I thought he was excellent. I mean, he was in loan at Morton in the Championship a couple of years ago, and he, he absolutely ran the show a couple of times um, when I watched him, and it surprised me he was playing at that level at that time. But yesterday, he was vindicating him that he's a Premier League player. He stood out from start to finish, and a couple of absolutely brilliant finishes. Yeah, again, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I never, you know, you said at the start of this round, it's hard because you're an Air fan to sort of compliment Kilmarnock. They're, they're not the team that I would normally turn around and say, I, you know, I like them and I like to see them getting results. But I really like Alex Dyer um, as a manager. And, you know, the, the sort of racist WC he, he received in the last couple of weeks um, has been disgusting, frankly. Um, but I, I like this individual. He deserves that result yesterday for all the crap he's been through the last couple of weeks. It's been absolutely terrible for him. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. He, he does. He seems like a really good guy with a really good footballing brain. Um, and I don't know. I can see a little bit of 
Steve Clark's, you know, it's obviously it's rubbed off on the guy, but yeah, no, it's a great performance, a great three points um, for Kilmarnock. Um, you said earlier it was, you know, about I think the last time they were near the, the relegation zone was um, 2015. They bet Falkirk, um, so no, definitely it's good to see them them picking up some points um, and kind of moving to safety. Not that they'll, I don't think they'll receive, they'll get to the position that Steve Clark got them to a couple of seasons ago, but I think they'll definitely avoid the drop. Um, can Kelly finish and get a top six finish? Do you think then? You know they've they got they were unlucky last week, but they got the result today. They're sitting. Um, the minute they're sitting in seventh, they're only uh, two points behind in the United. Is sixth place? Would that, I suppose, be their their main goal for the rest of the season to make sure they are in the top six, uh, Lewis? Yeah, I think it's definitely because it's, it's actually between. I'd say, I mean, I would have said fifth, but I think it's at a lovely stretch now, but or will stretch between sort of sixth place and below. It's quite tight around there, so. I think they'll definitely push for that top six spot. It's just about whether they can keep sort of winning games like this to get in that position. Uh, ben? Yeah, uh, I think top six has to be the goal for them these days, no matter you know what season it is. I think Steve Clark's instilled a certain desire and a certain level uh, in the team of, of where they want to be. Like you say, they're not going to get up to like third place to where he got them uh, in all likelihood, but I think they can. Uh, bumped in the United from six spot. Like you say, they're only two points off them. Uh, I think they've proven they're a good enough team to do it. They've got a really good squad. I definitely think it's it's obviously going to be their aim, but I think that it's it's quite likely that they will uh, get into the top six, personally. Uh, Ryan? Um, I think they probably will sneak into the top six. I think that has to be the aim, because if you don't make the top six, then you could probably be sucked into like a relegation battle that you just don't want to even be near. So that, I think that has to be the aim for Kelly. Yeah, um, again, I, I can't disagree. I, you know, Dundee United, I think, have been playing well, um, you know, this season. But, you know, especially to come up from the Championship to be in sixth place at the minute. But I, I can see Kelly sort of pipping them to it by the end of the season, which wouldn't be, wouldn't be bad for them. Um, right, if we move move on then to uh, St Mirren versus Motherwell, quite a, a lot to, to get through on this one. Um, Graham Alexander's first game in charge, he's taken over from Stephen Robinson. Um, what, what did you guys think of, of the game first overall, if we start with you, Ben? Yeah, so I uh, only caught the highlights of the game, but uh, I thought St Mirren started... Probably the better of the two teams from what I saw. They had a couple of good chances early on, uh, including one from uh, McGrath. But Motherwell started to... looked like they started to impose themselves more as the game went on. And maybe at that point, Graham Alexander's message starts to sink in more uh, once they actually get into the situation, actually get into the football. Uh, took their goal well from the corner kick. Uh, it's no clear the way by St Mirren and... Watt heads it down for Cole, who slots it in. I believe Cole had just missed an opportunity not long before that as well, that he really should have scored. A brilliant long through ball. Uh, and he was essentially one-on-one with the goalkeeper, but he just fluffed it wide. I thought they played well. Uh, there's there's definite positives for the new manager to look at and say that you know that he can he can build on now. Mm. I think they just have to be, you know, they just have to to cut out the error slightly, giving away the penalty, whether or not, it, obviously, there's some jubiety or whether it is a penalty, but it's still, you know, giving, giving the referee a, a decision to make there. So I think as time goes on, they'll start to improve more. But uh, I think there's definite reasons for Graham Alexander to be feeling quite positive about his team. Uh, Lewis? Oh, yeah, definitely. Again, agree with that. But I think you'll be happy with that. Coming in just a few days before the game, you obviously expect maybe there's obviously the myth of a sort of manager's bounce so I think you've got that slightly similar and I've been impressed with this season I think they're building a good squad now bringing in Eamon Brophy maybe the final pieces of the jigsaw that they needed up front but I think you'll be happy with the point in the end maybe a wee bit disappointed to get didn't get the three from a other point of view uh, Ryan? Um, I, I thought my were actually pretty good to be honest um, obviously some encouraging signs for Graham Alexander uh, St Mirren's not an easy place to go now at the moment. I think Jim Goodwin's done a great job there. Um, I think that 
Motherwell, if they do sort out the errors that they're making, will be a decent side. Also, I think they need to be more clinical up top because they don't lack, they've not got a lack of creating chances. I just think they need to be more clinical and I hope, I hope Graham Alexander actually can sort that out for them. Yeah, um, you know, I've seen the highlights of the game. I thought Motherwell controlled it for for periods. Um, you know, you mentioned Ben about uh, Cole missing just before they, they eventually get the opener. Um, you know, he was unlucky. They could have had a couple of goals yes, um, on Saturday, but it wasn't to be. Um, I suppose St Mirren get their goal from the penalty. I, as you say, there was dubiety over whether or not it was a penalty. Ryan, if we start with you, did you think it was a penalty? I think nowadays penalties get given for that much for like for soft tackles all the time. So it's if you give the referee a decision to make, he's going to make it. So in that regard, I think it was a penalty because he's given the ref a decision to make at a key moment of the game. Mm. So, yeah, I would say so. Uh, Lewis, the penalty. With whenever these sort of decisions happen, I'm always shocked how there's four officials and not one of them sees a. Uh, it's not a penalty. I think it was actually they were saying the linesman because I don't think that Madden looked as though he was had a good view of it or could see. So, but when a player goes down, there's a, there's always a lot of talk about whether it is a penalty or it isn't, even with the minimal contact. And I just didn't think it was a penalty at all. Two cars. Yeah, um, Ben. I I, kind of, I watched it a couple of times the penalty incident, and the first few times I watched it, I was I was kind of thinking, when is the when is the actual foul meant to have taken place here? I'm seeing uh, the St Mirren player go down, but I'm not actually seeing a lot of uh, contact. Upon reviewing it again, I can see, again, to give a benefit of the doubt to the referee, I can see why he's given it. And like Ryan mentioned, you know, you have to be careful these days with penalties if you're given the ref even the most remote decision to make. I can definitely. I, I saw that Graham Alexander after the game had said that he was frustrated and disappointed with the penalty. I think he has. He definitely has uh, every right to be a bit upset with that one. But benefit of the doubt, I can still see why it was given. Yeah, um, I, I think for me, you know, the, the privilege to be able to watch sports scene um, after um, you know all the games have taken place, you can see all the penalty incidents that take place over the weekend. And one that sticks out to me, obviously, um, was this one. But I, I just want to refer to the, the Livingston-Ross County game. Uh, Effie Ambrose had his arms all over. Um, I, I can't remember which Ross County player it was. So forgive me for that. But he had his hands all over um, the Ross County player. And that wasn't given as a penalty. And I think it was similar to um, the, the Motherwell one in terms of... Uh, you know, there was contact. We, we can see that. Was it enough to go down? I, I, I don't think so. I think it's soft. Um, but that was given as a penalty in contrast to the one contrast to the one where Ambrose, um, you know, wasn't given as a penalty. All you're looking for is consistency. So I think, you know, the consistency argument comes into it that, you know, we need to have like a firm stance on what actually is a penalty or what isn't a penalty. You've got two like contrasting decisions there. You have to go with what it is, Motherwell. To get their point, what do we think on that? Did you know it's it's not the three points. It's not going to help them as such in their, their battle to to avoid relegation. But it, it's a start for Graham Alexander. Um, so what, what, what's next for Motherwell then, uh, Ben? Well, like we're saying, you know, the, the, there's definite positives for them from that game. They created some decent chances. They were good value for their lead while they had it. Uh, they looked kind of dangerous as well from set pieces. I thought there was one towards the end. I believe it was was it Carroll? Uh, nearly curled an excellent free kick right into the corner. It was a brilliant save from uh, St. Murren goalkeeper to to prevent it. They just need to focus on the positives, build on what they've already uh, achieved in this first game, and try and go from there. You know, I don't think they can be. You know, the the. the they shouldn't be too hard on themselves. They've lost a manager mid-season. They now have to rebuild halfway through and get the job done and try and achieve as good a finish as they can. I think they've, they've shown that they can do it. They've shown that they're, they're a decent side. We all know they've got a good squad. They just need to 
keep the heat a bit, you know, uh, be, be patient and keep working away. And I think that the results will start to come. Yeah. Coming up next on the podcast, I sat down with the host of the DW podcast and the massive Motherwell fan, Derek Watson, to discuss Graham Alexander's appointment. This is what he had to say. Um, so I suppose the, the biggest and probably main part to start is Stephen Robinson um, resigned from the job after a, a good number of years. What were your thoughts on on the resignation of, of Stephen Robinson? I hate to say this, Stefan, because Stephen was a, a fantastic manager over the years for Motherwell and I don't think there's any getting away from the fact that he, he got us to a third place finish. You know, he kept us up in his, his first season when he came in and he got us to two, uh, a League Cup final and a Scottish Cup final. But I think the time was probably right and I, and I think Stephen will also acknowledge that or he has acknowledged that in the interviews that he's done uh, since resigning. I've noticed he's done a few newspaper interviews this week and he's probably said, you know what, the... It was just the right time for me. The I took Motherwell as far as I, I could take them, and and I think that's almost a mark of the man as well. You know that that's almost shows you uh, how good a manager he is and how good a character he is. That he admitted, you know, I've taken this club as far as I can, put his hands up and says, I, I believe that I've done a good job, and I don't think that's him being big headed. I think most Motherwell fans would agree with you. You know, he's done a great job, but yep, unfortunately uh, for him and for for Motherwell, the time is probably right. You, you mentioned how he took Motherwell to the League Cup final in 2017 and the, the Scottish Cup final in the 2017-18 season, both within the same season. Uh, you know, that's a that's a big achievement for for a club the size of Motherwell and a, a big achievement for, for the manager himself. Um, was that then, was that season, do you think, more important than getting a third-place finish? Or, or what would you say was a bigger achievement out of that? I mean, two cup finals in the, the same year, you, you can't look at that and think any way other than it's a massive achievement for a, a club with Motherwell's budget and a, and a club of our size. But, you know, I, I think ultimately we'll probably look back and think, you know, the, the season where we finished third was probably a bigger achievement because unfortunately people don't look back in the history books 20 years down the line and, and remember who was the runner-up in a, a cup final. Uh, but Motherwell fans will no doubt remember the season where we finished third. And on top of that as well, what I think has been great uh, when Stephen's time here is he's brought a lot of players through be that through the youth team or, or he's brought players in and then sold them on for profit as well you know he's certainly left Motherwell in a, a healthier position than we were when, when he initially came in Yeah, uh, I met Stephen back in, um, well last January I suppose it is now, like a year ago um, and you know you can t- the cat, like when he was speaking the character of the man you could just tell how passionate he was about football and we made the consensus on the podcast last week that it wouldn't be the last time we see Stephen Robinson in management in Scotland um, because as that good a manager he was linked with various jobs throughout the summer after taking Motherwell to third do you see him taking another job down in maybe the English Championship for the next couple of maybe next couple of years etc do you think he can go to the to the next level yeah, I think so. I think Stephen's got a great future ahead of him. I think that we noticed that a few months ago when he was shortlisted for the Northern Ireland job as well. And I don't know if that maybe took the wind out of his sails when he didn't quite get it. And, and Ian Barraclough, who he actually came to Motherwell the first time round with, uh, was appointed the Northern Ireland manager. Stephen, you know, is he's done a great job, as we've touched on. But I think that he's he's played in England. You know, he's got that experience down there. Uh, he's played with clubs like Tottenham, Bournemouth, I think he played with Preston, maybe Luton Town as well. You know, he, he knows these leagues. He's been in Scotland, he's done it. He's probably got an affinity to Motherwell as well, you know, that I'm not saying that he wouldn't come back and manage another team, but, I mean, after you've managed Motherwell, who, who else would you manage in Scotland? Celtic or Rangers? I'm not too sure if they'd quite take him or if they think that he's quite ready for that yet. So I think somewhere, maybe, you know, League One, Championship level, even if he was lucky, you know, bottom end of the Premiership is, is where that Stephen would really thrive. Yeah, I think... Bournemouth were interested in him um, during that you know period through the summer after they sacked um, Eddie Howe. So you know he, he could go to like a decent sized club in the Championship. Um, so no, de- definitely his qualities as a manager shouldn't be be underlooked because as we've said the the, achieve, the achievements he's had at Motherwell. Um, so that moving on from that, his replacement was announced as Graham Alexander. What, what do you think of that appointment? I'm actually really happy with, with Graham's appointment. I think it's a quite a brave choice uh, by the board at Motherwell. The reason I say that is because I think when, you know, I'm not saying that we're, we're 
in a relegation battle yet, but we're certainly down there. There's still half a season to go. But I think when you're down at the bottom end of the table, it's so easy to go for a manager who, you know, has got all the old cliches like they know the league. You know, they're able to get us out of this struggle. They've been there before. You know, they, they know how to keep us up. But for me, I think that's quite a short term appointment. You know, there was player, there was manager, sorry, linked with the job. Like in the in the press, we've seen Tommy Wright was linked with it. Tommy Wright's done a great job at St. Johnson, no doubt about it. Uh, and then you've also got the, the other names that were chucked about, you know, like your Gary Holtz, your Neil McCanns, these kind of people that come up every time that a, a managerial vacancy appears in Scotland. I think Graham uh, has proven, proven himself down south. Uh, I mean, obviously, he was at Salford just before he, he came to Motherwell. He did get released from Salford got sacked but he got sacked when they were sitting fifth and they were actually unbeaten you know if you actually look at what he's done in four full seasons across three different clubs he's achieved two promotions the other one he got them to a playoff position he also took Salford to the final of the uh, EFL trophy uh, before the season was ended and, and the competition was then postponed due to Covid you know so I, I think he's got a great knowledge of the lower leagues in England which is where Motherwell tend to recruit from you know we, we've brought over the years the last few years many players from be it the, the conference or League One and League Two into Fir Park, uh, and, and they've done really well. Others that haven't done so well, but on the whole, you know, that's been a market where we've been successful. On top of that, I'd say that as a player, you know, he, he played over a thousand times uh, in his professional career. I think he's only like the second person in history or so to do that in England. He played over 40 times, or I think maybe it was 40 times for Scotland, and I think. With all that combined, you know, he, he was at Burnley and Preston, he, he'll probably have good contacts there that he might be able to utilise for loan deals. I, I think it's a really exciting uh, appointment by Motherwell and I, and I really, really hope that, you know, he, he does the job firstly, keeps us up this season, but then once it gets to the summer and he's able to bring his own players in and he's able, able to utilise a market uh, that he knows really well, I, I think that he'll probably have a bright future at Motherwell, almost similar to, to the way Stephen did. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Right, well, Derek, thanks so much for, for coming on and chat to us and bringing in some of your, your mother well insight. We really appreciate that. No, thanks very much for having us, Stefan. It was a pleasure. And any time, more than happy to come on. OK, so you heard uh, from Derek Watson there. He had a, a lot to say on Graham Alexander uh, joining Motherwell from Salford City and you know his thoughts on what Motherwell can do now. Uh, moving on to the game that... Well, one of the games that takes place today is Celtic versus Hibs throughout the podcast I've mentioned whether or not this game might or might not go ahead um, during the recording of the podcast um, you know it's been revealed that 13 Celtic players um, have been told to self-isolate uh, plus three uh, backroom staff members uh, Celtic have just released a statement saying that of course they will fulfil their fixture today um, let's start with that um, what are we thinking about that the, the whole Dubai and everything that's going on um you know, Celtic are not helping themselves uh, from a PR point of view at the moment. Um, Ryan, what's your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, see, I think, see, for example, like, if Celtic had went to Dubai, if the country was in Tier 1 or Tier 2, I don't think most people would have a problem with it. I think the biggest factor was it was in Tier 4, which is basically all but lockdown by name. Um, then you go to Dubai, you get put into lockdown, well, they're in Dubai, and then there's pictures circulating of you having a jolly up with pints by the pool, which people in the, live in the central belt in Scotland haven't been able to go to like, a pub with their mates for four or five months. It just looks uncaring, in my opinion, and the whole optics of the situation, especially now they've come back and Neil Lennon and John Kennedy having to self-isolate the two of the 13. It's just horrendous optics for the club. Yeah, it really doesn't look good. Um, Lewis? I mean, I think what makes it even worse is the person that's tested positive is a guy that's out for three to four months. Why is he in Dubai? You know, why, what was the need in him going over there? What was the need in the whole team going over there, to be quite honest? It's just it's a farce in a situation. To be quite, uh, I'm, just, I'm just speechless about it. <laughs> just in the first place, why are you even going to Dubai during a pandemic? There's no winter break, so there's no excuse, sort of excuse for it in a way. I just can't believe now you could face falling further behind in the league due to a stupid decision like this. Okay, Brian, what does that mean then for Celtic tonight? Um, 13 players are out, three backroom staff members are out, including John Kennedy and Neil Lennon. We don't know who the players are to that to that extent, but how does that leave them for, for today's fixture against Hibs? Is, it's not like, looking good, does it? I don't it? deserve any special treatment. I think the game should go ahead. I think she made to play 
under twenty ones academy, whatever whatever they have to do. Um, they knew the risks going to somewhere like Dubai at the moment. They go on holiday in a pandemic. We well, don't holiday, well, not holiday. Going to a training camp abroad during a pandemic. It's not. It's not very hard to comprehend that somebody might catch the virus when you're on an aeroplane going through the airports, etc. So they should be made to play the game, or in my opinion, how should be rewarded the game. Yeah, I've seen some arguments for that. I can't disagree. Uh, Lewis? No, I think it's been confirmed that the game is going ahead. I think in terms of players, probably think Celtic have got a squad of 30 and they'll have some youth players that can come in. So I fully expect it to go ahead. Whether that's a team of first-team players, a team of reserve players, at the end of the day, it's down to Celtic. It's their fault they've went and made this decision to go to Dubai. Somebody's caught COVID, which you can't say you're surprised at. Like, in a way, you're expecting something to go wrong with this, but it's just the whole situation isn't very good. Do you know what I found during the week? Um, you know, I had I'd seen on Twitter a lot of people were arguing, saying that Celtic deserved to go to Dubai. It's, it's a winter training camp. It's a right decision, blah, blah, blah. I've seen the other side of it saying it was reckless, it was stupid. And I'm more inclined to agree with that side of it. Um, you know, I, I, made a sta- I made a point last night. I was talking to someone and I said that, whatever's happened uh, at Dubai, whether or not the Scottish government approved it or not, the decision from Celtic to still go to Dubai when the the country is in tier four is reckless uh, at the very least. You know, they're they're privileged as elite sports, uh, as an elite sports team, um, to be able to, you know... I think you're all saying this, Stefan, but I think they applied in November when the country was in tier three. I might be wrong saying that. And then obviously we moved to tier four in December, but as soon as the country was moved to tier four, you should have cancelled that trip. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to say. You would think that some common sense would have prevailed, but even though you're an elite sports uh, organisation, uh, you still kind of can't get any leeway on leaving the country in, in tier four. It it was it was reckless to say the least. Um, I've seen on Twitter there, a lot of people are saying whoever sanctioned this decision that their head should roll. Celtic fans have been calling for people to be sacked from the club for months, mainly Neil Lennon. I personally, I don't think that anything's going to change in that front, that anybody's going to lose their job over this. But it is just, it's an absolute PR disaster for the club in a season of PR disasters. I think, you know, when Ball and Goalie, uh, you know, headed off on a jolly to Spain, the club came out and condemned them and said, you know, it's, you know, absolutely caned the guy for it, and rightly so. But now they've just essentially done the same thing of going to another country and putting, you know, not only the club at risk or the, the players at risk, but putting Scottish football as a whole at, at risk, it, it really, really does not look good. I've seen pictures as well of Neil Lennon and Scott Brown sitting by the pool with a pint. It's, it's not like, I mean, what, I'm not saying that what they were doing was particularly wrong, but it's kind of rubbing people's face in it back at home who don't have these luxuries. They can't do that. They've not been able to do it for five months. They can't go and see their mates. Yeah, I think, sorry, I think that's a good point. The fact that it's, they've said they keep saying about all these protocols. And it's meant to be for training camp. These came out, and I mean that's not two metres apart, is it? Nobody else can do that. So, just dreadful situation. I've just seen a list of players that are suspected to be out for tonight. I'm, I'm hesitant to to say it because it's not been confirmed. Um, but if it is the players that are out. The only, the big one I would say that Celtic would be missing would be, it's hard, but uh, I would say Julian's the biggest um, loss, but he was already out anyway. Um, so it's, you know, you're still going to have your main players like Christie and Edouard and Griffiths and uh, Elianusi, McGregor, Sorrow, Turnbull are all, you know, they're, they're all fine by what's been been said just now, but I can't confirm if that's the case. Um, I'm just seeing that, so that's just speculation. But if that that's true, then it, it's maybe not a hammer blow as you know expected. Um, not looking good though. Um, and if Celtic falter tonight, you know if they lose, they drop points to Hibs, which it's looking more likely that that could be the case. Um, could you call the, the league now? Could you say that's it done? You know, 22 points behind. What, what are we saying to that, uh, Ryan? Look, I think, I think 
if you if the players that are self isolating aren't really the mainstays in the team, Celtic probably still should get a result tonight. But if there is a couple of players out, it probably gives Hibs a bit of a chat more of a chance than they would have had. Um, if Celtic don't win tonight, and then they've got a hard trip in Saturday to Livingston, I, I think they need six points out of two games. And if you don't get that, the league's done. You can call it completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't disagree. Uh, Lewis? Yeah, no, 100%. Tonight's game is sort of giving... Oh, this will give Hibs a boost as well, not even just playing mentally, thinking we could be coming up against a sort of weakened Celtic side in a way. I think it would be interesting. I wonder if the likes of David Turnbull, I don't know the sort of rules, I couldn't, I'm not an expert on it. The likes of David Turnbull, whether they'll be affected because they obviously had COVID recently, but you'd expect there'll at least be a few big players missing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the team, yeah, it's it's not looking not looking good at all. Um, right, I was going to ask for predictions, um, but I feel like that might just be um, no point in that because we don't know what the team is. Normally, you can have an idea of what the Celtic team is going to be, what team is going to line up. Right now, but we're not too sure what that team is going to be, so I think it's pointless um, offering um, uh, offering you know predictions for it. Just let's just quickly touch on. Sorry, um, you know, we got breaking news just coming in just before we touched on the Livingston game. That's the Scottish leagues, um, below the championship yeah. stopped. The Scottish Cup, um, is now essentially stopped. Does this just not make the season that whole bit more chaotic in a sense that are we really prioritizing football over saving people's lives at the moment? What, what's our thoughts to that, um, Ben? Aye, it's it's a real shame, really. I think particularly for me personally as well, missing out in the cup uh, is going to be a real shame as well. And yeah, you do have to wonder, I think, if is it in good taste to be continuing on with uh, with football as if there's nothing else going on in the world when we're give, being given constant daily reminders that there's a very, very real, very dangerous public health situation that's still ongoing. Yeah. Uh, I think that um, more than anything else in years to come, we're going to remember season 2020-2021 as being just the most out-of-control, ridiculous season of Scottish football that we've had and not in the ways that are enjoyable. Because um, there's obviously quite a lot of weird and wonderful stuff that goes on in our game, but this is just not very fun to be, you know, having to call off league campaigns halfway through for a three-week suspension, which could very well get extended beyond that, to put the uh, domestic cup on hold. It's, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. It's just a real disappointment, but it's also, sadly, seems quite inevitable, really. Yeah. Um, Lewis? Uh, definitely, I think it does seem inevitable at this stage. With football, I think it has kept a lot of people going throughout this. Because I remember during the first lockdown, months without it, it was it was a struggle for sure. So it has kept people going. But obviously, there gets to a stage where lives are much more important than that and it's getting too dangerous. So it certainly seems to be going towards the stage of stopping completely. Uh, Ryan? I think... As I mentioned earlier, if clubs can do this safely and COVID secure, then I think it should continue because, as Lewis said, a lot of people are miserable at the moment and maybe watching a team once a week is what gets them through on a Saturday. That's maybe their, what they look forward to at the moment. Um, if it can be done safely, it should continue. But this just feels to me like... Remember, remember the last couple of weeks, last February and then the start of March when you can feel everything ramping up and ramping up again. Mm. This is what it feels like again to me. Just everything seems to be going down that path again. So it generally wouldn't surprise me if the First Minister in the next couple of weeks had a decision to make. And I think we'd probably know what one should take. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. It, it, you know, it's hard to disagree with any of that. Um, you know, I take your point on board there about, you know, a Saturday and a Sunday watching the football is a, is a way out for a lot of people with, you know, that have struggles with mental health. I, you know, I think that's really important. Um, but 
you know, if, if clubs, you know, for, for example, Julian going um, to Dubai when he's injured, contracting COVID and then infecting through track and chase, um, nullifying a lot of, you know, the players in the Celtic squad, it's just recklessness. It's a shambles. And I, I think it comes to the point where you have to maybe prioritise the the health um, of the public health over over football. And, you know, as a... I think as well is that if you are in a position, if you've been given the position and the platform to continue your livelihoods whilst everybody else in the country has been pretty much shafted, you have a responsibility to actually abide by the rules and make an example and be an example to everybody. How is taking a guy who's not kicked a ball in a month and a half and holiday to Dubai and I'm getting COVID that example? It's, yeah. it's just reckless. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I, I suppose we could go on this topic for, for the next hour or three, but um, I think we've said all that, that needs to be said. We've, we've covered the main parts of it. Um, ben, Ryan, thank you for, for coming on. Lewis, as always, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Um, we've covered Scottish football today in deep, um, you know, deep detail. We've, we've had a couple of breaking news stories come out on us, so so that's quite good. We'll all get it covered for you. Um, you know, when you when you're hearing this, if you've maybe been at work and you've not been on social media all day, this might be the first time you're hearing it. Um, but a massive thank you to all the guys that have came on, and we will be back next Monday from four pm on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts.